Today, I want to talk about conquering your tomorrows. Because the only way to lay hold of your tomorrow is to do something about it today. And the message I want you to take away with you is one of the main ways, if not the main way, of laying hold of tomorrow is by continuing in prevailing and travailing prayer today. We're going to read verses from Romans chapter 8, verses 18 and onwards to verse 28. And as we read this, I want you to notice we're traveling over some very interesting territory. And uh, it would take quite a bit of time to go through each verse and explain it, but catch the flow. Catch the flow. Basically, Paul is saying, here is how you lay hold of your tomorrow. Verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings, which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. It's so interesting God has promised us a glorious future. But that future has already begun. Did you notice the phrase, the first fruits of the Spirit? Meaning that something has begun to happen. God's kingdom of God, the kingdom of God has begun and the Spirit has brought us into the kingdom, but we are not yet in the fullness of the life that is to come. And the key hallmark of that new life will be the resurrection of our bodies. That's our hope. This body is going to be changed. 
and we're going to be given a body like Jesus' glorious body. For when Jesus was raised from the dead, that's when the new creation began. The bit of the universe which is now already physically renewed in the body of Jesus Christ, his resurrected body. And the Bible says one day that resurrection power will be given to the whole of creation and God himself will recreate heaven and earth. There'll be new heavens and a new earth wherein righteousness is at home. No more sickness, no more dying, no more pain, no more suffering and no more groaning in labor pains. This is our hope. Romans 8, 24 and 25 say, we were saved in this hope. Hope that is seen is not hope. You can't say, well, I, I'm hoping for a new iPad for Christmas. Too late. Christmas has come and gone. That's, you've got two hopes there, Bob hope and no hope. But if you are saying, I'm hoping for an iPad next Christmas then it makes sense. You haven't got it yet, and you're hoping, and you're waiting. And, and if you did get a new iPad, you won't hope for one, because you've got it. This is what God is saying here. You don't hope for what you already have. But if you hope for what you do not see, you eagerly wait for it with perseverance. So we're waiting for that redemption of our bodies when we will live in the fullness of the kingdom of God forever. But what about the meantime? What's happening in the meantime? This is where we need to know how to lay hold of our tomorrows. And there's a whole bunch of tomorrows that we will never experience until Jesus returns. But there is a lot we can foretaste now, and we do so as we wait with perseverance and allow the Holy Spirit to work it in our lives. So how do you lay hold of tomorrow? Well, you've got to do something today. If you woke up on January the 1st and you said, right, now then, 2016, I'm going to finish thinner than I entered 2016. In fact, I was trying all 2015 to, to what are you looking at? Everybody's looking at me. <laughs> I shouldn't turn sideways when I talk about that. And I know that if I wanted to, like, lose the eight kilos that I put on, um, why, you people, why, are you, 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 you must, must be a heavenly priesthood because you're drawing, drawing all these confessions out of me. <laughs> and I know I've got to do something today, all right? In order to affect my tomorrow, where there might be physical health, where it might be weight loss if that's, if that's healthy for you, or it might be a master's degree that, that you want, you're dreaming about, You've got to do something about it today. If you just sit around all day, all year, thinking about it, oh, I'd like to do a master's someday, sometime. But if you say, no, 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 I'm going to make this a reality. I'm going to possess my tomorrow. I'm going to conquer my tomorrow. I'm going to do something today. And then the next day, and the next day, which probably take about two years, and after the two years, you will have what you were dreaming about. What you do today affects what you have tomorrow. Your present actions nearly always have future consequences. It's the law of sowing and reaping. What you sow today, you will reap tomorrow. And so we need to know that, that this is how God wants us to lay hold of the kingdom. Now, in particular, to lay hold of the kingdom tomorrows, you have to learn to flow with the Holy Spirit today. He's leading you there. He's guiding you there. 
And if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he is going to bring to life your mortal body on that day. So we, we know it's bound up with the Holy Spirit. Now this verse or this passage teaches us one key way that we cooperate with the Holy Spirit in order to bring about our tomorrows. One key way, and I would dare to say it is perhaps the main way that we lay hold of the kingdom of God in terms of our future. The Bible says we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. That's our glorious future. As I said on New Year's Eve, we're in training for reigning. If we overcome, we will rule with him. If we suffer with him, we will share in his glory. So we are joint heirs with Christ and the Holy Spirit is working in us to make sure we inherit all that God has promised us. We've come out of a spiritual bondage. Just like the children of Israel escaped from Egypt and they're on the way to the promised land. That's the language here. God has taken us out of Egypt and we're on the way to our promised land. We're going to inherit alongside Jesus Christ. And the book of Revelation says if we overcome, not only will we inherit alongside Jesus Christ, we will also sit with him and rule with him in that glorious kingdom of the future. Praise God for that. So the Holy Spirit wants to make sure that we inherit everything that God has promised. So he teaches us how to conquer our tomorrows by yielding, yielding to him today. How does it happen? What is the key point? What is the key way that God gives us? Very practical, very real, and it is happening in you right as I speak. That is, if you are a believer and you have the Spirit of God. Verse 26 says... Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now you say, oh, back up a little bit, please. This is only the first Sunday in 2016. And we will hope you break us into gently, but you're giving us this high-level talk about groaning in travail and intercession. Oh, all I can do is manage a quick good morning, Jesus, as I rush to catch the bus. But oh, no, 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 no. The devil would have you believe that this experience belongs only to high-level seasoned intercessors to rob you of the fact that this is happening in you even as, you, even as I speak right now. Because the Holy Spirit's in you. And he's seated on the throne of your life. And there, from the throne of your heart, the Holy Spirit is active. He is praying for you. He's making intercession for you right now. And as he does that, the only evidence you will have of it, apart from the written word of God, is that you will sense from time to time and even constantly, if you spend time uh, enough time in the presence of God for your spirit to settle and to realize what's happening, you will sense Something going on inside you, deep groaning 
and travailing. What is happening here? I want you to know that the intercessor in your heart, the Holy Spirit, is in touch with the intercessor on the throne whose name is Jesus. Think about Jesus. We, we mentioned this in our uh, uh, message just before we took communion. But if we go back there again in, in Romans 8 verse 32, it says this, verse 34, it says this, Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. That's not the end of it. He didn't just rise from the dead. What, did he, what else did he do? It says, who is even at the right hand of God. So Jesus died, was buried, was raised again from the dead and ascended into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. His earthly work is finished. The atonement for sin is finished. So what is he doing now? Right there at the right hand of the Father, Jesus is praying for you and for me. He ever lives to make intercession for us. He's representing us before God. He is our advocate. He is speaking up for you. Praise God for that. It's wonderful when somebody speaks up for you. You know, I'm looking at some of the lawyers and advocates in our building, and there's quite a few people who if I, have, if I ever I got into trouble, I would want them advocating for me. And that's the first good, bit, bit of good advice somebody will give you when you're in trouble. You better find a good lawyer. Amen and amen. God grant that you never need it, but there we go. But when you know that there's somebody who is skilled enough to be able to represent you, represent you well, speak up for you in your defense and win the case against you, you rejoice. There's somebody sitting at the right hand of the Father right now who wins every case, Amen. who wins every accusation against you, who refutes it all. He is speaking to the Father in your defense, and there is nobody that can accuse you. Nobody can even criticize you. When you think about this, friends, this has got to be good news because there are many critics. Isn't that right? I remember many years ago when I was a new believer and I was still eking out the last season or two in the dance company, the Royal Ballet, traveling on tour, and I was getting promoted all the time, and I came down from the dressing room and walked past the stage door, and in those days there was no mobile phones. I know this is very difficult for some of you to believe. No mobile phones, no email, no text, just those old coin-operated machines. And the sound wasn't very good. The door was closed in this booth, but I could hear every word. And every two sentences, my name was mentioned. Colin Die! I said, Colin Die! And so, of course, minding my own business, not eavesdropping, of course, but slowing down just enough to hear what the conversation was about. Here it was. He was pleading my cause. One of the company directors. Colin Dye can do it. Yes, I'm sure he can do it. You better give him the part. I tell you, he is the best dancer we have. Colin Dye can do it. Do you know what I felt? I felt I had an advocate. 
somebody who was not going to just stand and criticize, somebody who's going to tear me down, somebody who was so jealous of what I was doing that they do everything they could to stop me, discourage me, as happens in the world. Anybody know that? Of course, that kind of thing never happens in the church, does it? <laughs> Woo! Woo! No worry, sister, you have an advocate in heaven. He is always speaking up for you. He is always defending you. He's always pleading your cause. And he'll always bring you to the vindication that he has for you. Give Jesus a big praise in this house. So the, the intercessor on the throne who is praying for you is in touch with the intercessor in your heart, the Holy Spirit. And the Bible calls him the one who searches the hearts there are many names for God in the Old Testament. We don't always look for them in the New Testament. Here's a wonderful name of God. The one who searches the hearts. You might say, well, 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 I don't want him to search my heart. <laughs> oh, you don't, do you? What, are you? what are you afraid of? Who lives on the inside of you? Oh, we have uh, our, our children are in, a, in the service and our uh, the full program, kids program comes back next week. So this is all Sunday school. So the question is, who is living in your heart? And the answer is? The Holy Spirit. But Jesus will do. <laughs> and so when, when the, the one who searches hearts does a scan of your life, he focuses not in on your fault. Remember, he's there to speak on your defense. What he focuses on is what the Spirit is praying for you. And that link between the Spirit of God in your heart and Jesus at the right hand of the Father is the link that brings you safely into your tomorrow. And what you have to do in this is recognize that it's happening and cooperate in a way with your understanding. And this is so amazing because this ability to pray or be part of this kind of intercessory prayer life, travailing prayer, is your birthright. And you don't have to wait until you're 177 and can intercede like Abraham did for Sodom before you experience it. Just settle down. And think about the things that troubled you. And there a sighing and a groaning that is deeper than words will be the base of everything that the Spirit is doing in your life and doing for you. Let's put this into context. We read about a lot of groaning going on. Did you find a lot of groaning? Suffering, expectation, eagerly waiting, subjected to futility, not willingly, delivered, crying out to be delivered from bondage, corruption, whole creation, verse 22, the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs, not only that, we who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we are groaning, and, and everybody is groaning. What is this about? This is the growing, groaning pains, the labor pains of the new age, the kingdom of God. 
Not the new age of the new age, but the kingdom of God, the real kingdom of God. Remember, Jesus said there will be wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes. This is not the end. This is just the beginning of the birth pains, the birth pains of that kingdom which is to come. So we see the whole creation is groaning. And we, we, we witness it, don't we? Especially today, with all of the, the, the 24-hour news media cycle. And you get alerts on your phone till you realize it's not good for your health and you switch the alerts off every time an earthquake happens, every time something happens. And, and, and you hear about it and, and you want to do something but you feel so helpless. But you're not. In yourself you are helpless and full of weakness but the Spirit of God knows how to groan with those that groan. Think of some of the groaning of this last year. God alone knows what 2016 will bring. We remember, don't we? Well, I wonder if you do. April the 25th, that earthquake in Nepal. 8,891 lost their lives. Think of all the human groaning, let alone the groaning of the earth. In May 2015, that heat wave seems rather innocuous to call it a heat wave. It killed 2,500 people in India and Pakistan. In November last year, floods in southern India, more than 400 died. Not to mention our own inconvenience and the suffering of people over Christmas in Cumbria and in the Scottish Borders region through those various storms, Desmond and Frank. These are the natural disasters, the birth pains of our creation, the old creation waiting to be renewed, crying out, groaning, in bondage, just like the children of Israel in Egypt. Not only have we been delivered, but the whole creation needs to be delivered. Groaning as in travail, like when Moses was sent by God to rescue the children of Israel from Egypt, it was not in response to their articulated praying. It was response to the cry and groaning of their heart, suffering under bondage, and the whole creation is creaking under that bondage and crying out for deliverance. That's the natural disasters. What about the human atrocities? The Amnesty International, Physicians for Human Rights and other human rights organizations reported constantly in 2015 of the war crimes, crimes against humanity, genocide, human rights violations directed against whole populations. Right now in Burundi, church people in Burundi are contacting us and saying, pray for Burundi because we have another Rwanda on our hands. Hundreds of people being found dead in the streets and in the rivers. What can we do? These human atrocities, when we think of ISIL, ISIS, Daesh, today is the 3rd of January, 2016, 3rd of January 2014, ISIS stepped out into the public arena. Later on, declared itself to be an Islamic state with a caliphate at the head. And since that time, 3,027 people have been executed, not just killed in fighting, but executed. 
Men, women, and children. What for? What crimes? Blasphemy, spying, and others, including practicing as a Shia Muslim. Hundreds of atrocities. Man's inhumanity to man. And do you know that since that time, 74 children have been executed for such offenses as refusing to fast during Ramadan. Human atrocities. Then we've got other human tragedies. The millions last year who died or who were affected by disease, displacement, starvation, malnutrition, suffering, made homeless through poverty and war. Oh yes, the whole world is groaning. The whole natural created order, including every man, woman and child who is part of this old creation, longing to be set free. And the Bible says that this longing is directing its attention to a certain group of people who are living alive on planet Earth today. And that people is you and me and all God's people who have the first fruits of the Spirit. When the creation sees us, they recognize something has happened. The new creation has begun. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Everything has become new. And, and, and in particular, it's the first fruits that we experience of this new creation. That's our spiritual life, our assurance, our joy, and the touch of God upon our lives. The fullness is coming in the resurrection of the body when Jesus returns. The transition was when Jesus was raised from the dead. He was raised physically from the dead. And the body of Jesus, his physical body, which was raised from the dead, is the tiny bit of this universe which has already been recreated. He's the first fruits from those that's, of those that sleep. In other words, he was the first to be raised from the dead, and we are also going to be raised from the dead. And the whole of creation is waiting for our liberation because we are groaning. We want to get out of this body. But there is no escape to sort of say, well, I'm getting out of here, leave my body behind. You're going to take your body with you, and your body is going to be resurrected in the day of Jesus Christ. Amen. We believe in resurrection of the body. That's what eternal life means. It doesn't just mean the immortality of the soul. It means that there's a new physical creation, and this body that Jesus will give us will be a body that will enable us to live in the new heavens and the new earth, sin-free, sickness-free, emotional problematic-free. Hallelujah. No need for Prozac or painkillers. Thank you, Jesus. Amen and amen. How amazing. How amazing. So they are looking to us, waiting for our liberation, knowing that when Christ returns and we are raised from the dead, that will signal their liberation and the whole creation will be set free from its bondage to decay, to disease, to sickness, to sin, and to death. How amazing it is. But then it goes on to say, we also groan. By now, we should have given up on groaning. But no, 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 we have the first fruits of the Spirit. We groan. Why are we groaning? We are groaning because we are longing to be liberated. 
We're longing that this fleshly body of ours, which is so easily distracted, so easily, so prone to sin. That's why we have to fight every day to crucify the flesh and follow Christ. There's a good New, new Year's word, message. Amen, you're looking for one. There's one. Take that one. It's called holiness. But then even deeper than that, God says we are participating in the birth pains that will bring about the whole of the new creation itself. You are in labor right now. And there's a lady looking at me saying, you're a man, I'm a woman, I've had five kids, you've had none, so don't tell me what labor is. I'm talking about spiritual labor. And we will carry those birth pains. We experience it in suffering our own lives. Whatever convinced us that gospel living was an insurance policy against suffering. We read Romans 8, verse 18. Paul says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time, as long as we are in the present, before the future comes fully, there will we'll be prone to suffering. Amen and amen. That's good news. Amen? Why is it good news? Because you've just told this is a year of overcoming. You've got to have something to overcome. Amen and amen. Also, whatever happens, we win because nothing can separate us from the love of God. Now, life, nor death, principalities, or powers, things to come, things anywhere in all creation is going to separate us from God. So we've already won. We are more than conquerors. Hallelujah. But we will go through suffering. But in the suffering, we can know what it is to overcome, know what it is to be victorious, know what it is to be above the circumstances and living in victory, even if, it means, and for some it will, suffering even unto death. What an incredible privilege that would be. Book of Revelation says they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and they loved their lives not unto death. One of the things that causes us to groan is the persecution and suffering. When Islamic State came to a certain town in Iraq, they killed all the Christians and drove the rest away, the, the rest who fled. Exposed on the mountains. And they praised God, saying, God, we're not going to give in. We are Jesus' people. So, yes, we, we groan because of suffering, but, but even more than that, we groan because of the suffering of others. Please understand that. It's the greatest release of new creation power in your life when you learn to identify with the pain and suffering, not just in your life, but in the lives of others. It's called compassion. That's how God works. We all know what happened on the 13th of November 
in Paris. I was actually in Marseille at the time, watching it live on French television, which was far more detailed in its reporting than what you could see here. And about three or four weeks after that, I was personally in Paris in response to something which is a real example of what I'm talking about today. Here's the story. Here's how the Holy Spirit works. After the Paris attack, 130 people killed, 99 seriously injured, many hundreds of others injured. I was ministering in Brazil, got a telephone call from a Brazilian apostolic preacher and said, I want you to organize a meeting for me in Paris before Christmas. Bring the business community together. It's time for us to testify to Jesus. And I said, well, I'm sure you're listening to the Holy Spirit, but tell me more. One of their Brazilian contacts, so this pastor's friend had a friend in the Bataclan concert venue. This person survived and was able to tell the story how that when those terrorists were firing indiscriminately not expecting to get out of there alive and wanting to take as many people with them. People were running and hiding, including this lady. And she was able to say wherever she went, wherever there was, people were praying. Yes, secular, atheistic, humanistic France. And what were they crying? They were crying out to God, not just help me, save me. They were crying Lord, have mercy. That's a prayer from the Holy Spirit. And because of that, the apostolic leader in Brazil said, it is time to bring this ministry to France. Go there, see what you can do. It was impossible, but it happened anyway. And so I had this meeting, and cut a long story short, the meeting was held just around the corner from the Bataclan venue. I'd already driven past in a taxi where one of those restaurants which had been fired upon, 18 people massacred by machine gun fire from outside. And as we drove past, we could see weeks later, people still standing outside holding each other and crying. And late that night, I went to the Bataclan venue, took some photos myself. Here we have candles flowers, messages, and even one or two prayers. Look at these messages of people. We're never going to forget you, young people. And then there is this, which rather intrigued me. Bloody Friday, that was for obvious reasons. Here's a prayer. You see an old man with a beard lying asleep on a cloud, and here's the prayer, our Father who sleeps in heaven, help wake yourself up and re remember these crazy people who have shed this blood. Then it says, the best of your commandments, thou shalt not kill. What a picture of our world's belief that God is lying in heaven, sleeping, doing nothing about it, yet the Bible says Jesus ever lives to make intercession for those 
who belong to him. And not only is Jesus interceding from the throne, but the Spirit's also interceding. And you know what happened? Since the 13th of November, the whole world, all the Christian world, has prayed for Paris, and something amazing has already begun to happen in Paris. In all of these venues... Christians were standing and praying for people. And when I was there reading these messages and experiencing this moment for myself, tears streamed down my face, tears of compassion and tears of joy. Why? Because there I felt the presence of God ten times more powerfully than I do in this meeting today. Where there is suffering, God is there. God's people are there. God's people are praying and the Holy Spirit is groaning and travailing. And when there is a groaning and travailing in the Spirit, it is labor pains of a delivery of a new creation promise. Ever since I've been a young Christian, right to this very day, Travailing prayer in my life always leads to a blessing, a deliverance, something powerful by way of a new creation promise fulfilled in my life or through my ministry. Because when the Spirit prays and calls upon Jesus to work in a way which might be the revelation of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, it might be the revelation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but every time the Spirit manifests himself in you and through you, the new creation progresses in your life. Even though we have to say that the majority of the new creation promise the vast majority of it will not happen until Jesus returns. Nevertheless, we foretaste it here and now. So what am I saying? I'm saying this, my friends. God is the searcher of our hearts. We don't know how to pray as we should. We groan inwardly. And this is a certain level of prayer, which is a prayer that goes beyond words. There is a prayer with words that the Spirit gives us and we understand them. He gives us a revelation and we pray with intelligence concerning that revelation we understand. We pray with the understanding. Then there is prayer with the Spirit, not with the understanding, with the Spirit. That's the gift of tongues and that's a very good place to start because when you're praying in tongues, your understanding is unfruitful but you are speaking words of revelation by the Spirit of God and who knows but that God will also give you the interpretation and you can move deeper in understanding. But there is a kind of prayer that goes beyond this kind of revelation, beyond speaking in tongues. It is a kind of prayer that you can, can't even speak. But it's happening deep on the inside. And when you learn to pray like that, you will never listen to the news again in the same way. You'll never walk away feeling so totally weak. Well, okay, you will. You will. You'll walk away feeling so weak, so helpless. What can I do? But the Spirit will remind you, that's why I'm here. You are weak, but the intercessor, the Holy Spirit's in your heart, and he will begin to travail. And the searcher of the hearts sees and says, that's it, that prayer is according to the will of God. And in that way, something happens. 
just like in France. In the eyes of the world, Christian world, praying, you go there, the anointing was so strong. I tell you what's going to come out of that. God always knows how to turn around something that was meant for evil and demonstrate it for his good purposes. Amen and amen. So this means you are a natural intercessor because you have a supernatural instinct to turn to God in prayer, to ask him, to look to him in all things. Prayer, praise, intercession, thanksgiving. But there is a deeper kind of prayer is when you don't even know how to pray, not even sure that you are praying, but the Holy Spirit is praying for you and showing you or at least working within you in a way that Jesus can read the will of God And that is always answered. Now, before the end time, there were foretastes that we will enjoy. The foretastes of God's revelation, power, and victory, and blessing, and supernatural manifestation, and high levels of godliness, and holiness, and spiritual effectiveness, and signs, and wonders, and miracles. All of that are foretastes. And the new creation is coming. The whole of the old creation is waiting, 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 waiting with expectancy, groaning and waiting, and we are groaning and waiting, and as we hook up together in the Spirit, heaven opens and the Spirit of God comes down to bring about the manifestation of God's kingdom in your life. Give Jesus a mighty praise for that. (laughs) 